I want to thank you for joining into the Bible study this evening and encourage you to have your Bible available and open to Ephesians chapter 4. We have been studying fighting fire, controlling our tongue by bringing it under the Holy Spirit's control. And tonight we'll conclude that, and I think it's kind of a capstone, by visiting Ephesians chapter 4 and understanding renewed speech. Renewed in the sense of now we are redeemed, we are regenerated, and our speech must be a testament to that reality. Ephesians chapter 4 is a great chapter. In fact, the Apostle Paul begins this chapter by saying, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Walk, behave like a Christian. Walk worthy of this vocation. And then he sets the spirit in verse 2 by saying, it's with all lowliness and meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. And as he works his way through this chapter, that is his aim. And tonight, as we arrive in verse 22, you're going to note something, and that's where action comes in. Verse 22, he says, "...that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt." according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This idea of being members one of another ties back to walking worthy of our vocation and the mindset of lowliness and meekness and forbearance and long-suffering and endeavoring, verse 3 says, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We are members one of another, and in order to maintain the peace, he's talking about living out our renewed life being a testament to the fact that we are truly changed. This passage here builds on all of that. And in verse 22, he says, Since the old man has been put off, since the mind has been renewed, verse 23, since in verse 24 the new man has been put on, the child of God is expected to live out a transformed life. Old man, put off. Mind, renewed. New man, put on. Let's walk worthy. Let's be an example of that very fact. Now, this happens at salvation. I want you to grasp that. The old man is put off, the mind is renewed, and the new man is put on at salvation. But there's also a process in which we endeavor to show that out. We are new creatures. Behold, all things have passed away. All things become new in Christ. That's what he's driving at. And it is striking to me that when we arrive at verse 25, 
Having said, old man put off, mind renewed, new man put on, he starts saying, wherefore, based on this theological fact, here's what we should practically do. And he begins by talking about lying, by something that we do with our tongues. In verse 25, and again in verse 29, which we'll visit, Paul deals with the area of our speech, how we use our tongues. And the reminder is that what we do with our tongues is a reflection of the condition of our heart. And so, if our heart is renewed, we should then show that out by how we use our tongues. When the heart is right, the words will be right. Now again, Jesus addressed this. When our heart is right, our words are right. When our heart is wrong, our words will be wrong. In Matthew 12, Jesus said this in verse 34, Old generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. It is as clear as day, and that is a summation of what we've been studying over these weeks. With that in mind, let's simply put the capstone on of what renewed speech should look like. And that's what Paul has done here in verse 25. Put away lying. Take it off and lay it down and don't do it anymore. Put away lying. Now, as we've addressed the way that we can use our tongue negatively, this has come up over and again. And it's amazing, is it not, that Paul has to write to and remind Christians to stop lying? But the fact is, we need the same reminder. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth in John 15. Therefore, when we lie, we are not under the control or the dominion or the influence of the Holy Spirit. We give evidence of the fact that we are in the flesh. Now, I know we think perhaps that lying is something that we leave behind in our youth, but we've addressed this some, and I want to reiterate now that lying can be something that we simply do by exaggerating and adding to a story to make something that was the truth now actually into a lie. Sometimes we just embellish things in order to make ourselves look better or to make someone else look worse. If you really study your conversations, I'd say perhaps some exaggeration and embellishment is a part of it. Sometimes we'll flat out change the facts. We might even do that to protect someone's feelings, but when we change the facts, we're telling a lie. We alter the truth in any way, even small ways, it's a lie. When we cheat, we're lying. When we make promises that we know we cannot keep, we are lying. When we betray a confidence, when we gossip and betray a confidence that we told someone they were safe to share with us, we lie. 
engaging in deceitful flattery, as we've studied, when we make excuses to cover our failures, one wrote, when we make excuses to cover our shortcomings, something that we did not do, we're lying. Sometimes even the lie of silence, we withhold information in order to mislead or to deceive. It's a lie. And it wounds. That's the core of this study. Fire does damage, Proverbs 26, 38, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. It worketh ruin, does the flattering tongue. You and I studied together Proverbs 6. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A lying tongue is listed in there. It is clear that believers should be characterized by truth and renewed speech should be truthful speech. When we're on the subject of lies, it is impossible to avoid the embellishment that gossip and slander can be. And I'll say it this way. Just because something is the truth doesn't mean that it needs to be shared. I think we have to get back to and remind ourselves of in the multitude of words, there wanteth not, there is not a lack for sin. Verbosity is a problem. Just because something is the truth doesn't mean it needs to be shared. Sometimes we should intentionally limit our words. Sometimes we should intentionally keep our mouths closed. We have to guard against having that sharp tongue. I think you're probably familiar with this old adage, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. Now, I don't know that that's universally applicable, but the fact is we probably have less regret over staying quiet than we do by opening our mouths. I think as a general rule, we talk too much. Renewed speech. Old man, put off. Mind renewed, new man put on, put away lying. Stop lying. And then when we get down into verse 29 of this chapter, the apostle says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Let No corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but rather good, something that edifies, something that administers grace. This would, if applied, cut down on the majority of our conversations. What is corrupt communication? It's rotten speech. Corrupt, it simply communicates rotten. Have you ever opened the lid of a trash can on a really hot day and taking in a deep breath of stinky, rotten trash. You wouldn't think of putting your hand down in there and taking a spoiled piece of fruit or a rotten piece of meat and putting it in your mouth. And what the apostle is saying is, nor should that come out of your or my mouth. Rotten, profane things off-color things, 
negative, death word type things, lies, deceitful flattery, gossip, slander, evil speaking, all of these things that we've listed over this time. Be reminded your words and my words are insight into our heart's condition. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, this is possible. We can have victory because the old man has been put off, the mind has been renewed, and the new man has been put on. As believers, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And the positive traction that we gain in bridling our tongue by letting no corrupt communication whatsoever at any time proceed out of our mouths, but rather, here's what our speech should be doing. It should build others up. Our speech, all of it, should be edifying speech. Edifying, that's simply to build up. When the heart is right, the tongue is right. And when the tongue is right, it helps others grow. It speaks words of life. When our heart is right, our words are right, we build others up. That has an encouraging aspect to it. We put heart in other people. We speak helpful words, constructive words, uplifting words, Now, we've addressed this as well. The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. There may be times where our words are confrontational, where our speech must be corrective in nature. But even when those times arise, when it emanates from a heart of love and the goal is ultimately to help the other person grow, we are still upholding and maintaining this scriptural tenet. What we cannot do is use the tongue to tear others down, spoiling, corrupt, rotten kind of speech. To say hurtful things about other people. To be condescendingly judgmental and unnecessarily so is hurtful. We can't use the truth even, as I have referenced, as a weapon to try to wound or hurt someone else. Words that intentionally discourage, make attempts to disappoint or harm, that displeases the Lord. That's not an evidence of a renewed mouth. Our words should build others up. If we simply assessed our conversation today, how would that hold up? That's why it's good to speak scripture words, because we know that the scripture is the word of life. Literally, to have it in our mouths, to meditate on it night and day, to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin. If the word is hid in our hearts that we might not sin, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. We should build others up as opposed to corrupt communication, and we should minister Grace to those that hear us speak. Grace should be obvious within our speech. Being gracious in our speech. Gracious in our demeanor. Gracious in our carriage, in our countenance. Gracious. It's the way the Lord Jesus spoke. 
In Luke chapter 4 and verse 22, here's what we read. All bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? When they listened to Jesus, they marveled because his words were literally gracious words. That's what proceeded out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The understanding disposition of Jesus, the patience, the forbearance, the long-suffering, the unquestioning, non-negotiable aspect of his speech as being edifying, but also gracious. That's the manner of speech that should characterize every child of God. That should be the characterization of your speech and my speech. Let it always, the book of Colossians says in chapter 4, be with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. The whole idea is that our words should be influenced by the grace of God. That in and of itself shuts slander and evil speaking down. That in and of itself collapses, it's a fatal blow to corrupt communication. Let it always be with grace. Think of the absolutes. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That means any bit at any time, don't let it happen. But rather, let your speech, he says in Colossians, be always with grace, seasoned with salt. It should be that preserving kind, that building kind of speech, All the time, every word, no excuses, no slip-ups, no moments off. You say, well, that's impossible. I'm inevitably going to fail. Certainly all of us will. Every one of us are going to be guilty of lying. Every one of us are going to be guilty of corrupt communication, but not as an established pattern. That's something we confess and we get right. We come clean, we get right, We move forward and we strive to walk in the Spirit and stay clean. Our words should be constructed in a manner that benefits other people. Again, let me just say that's why we should speak the gospel to the lost. Can you be any more edifying than telling someone the truth about eternal life? When we use our words in a wrong manner, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. That's the very next verse. He says in verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If you want your relationships to be all that God wants them to be. If you want your relationships to honor the Lord, please the Lord, this is how to do it. Evil speech, slander, gossip goes away if we forgive, if we're tenderhearted, if we understand that we also wound and hurt others. It's such a basic thing outlined. The idea here is ultimately we can have victory over the fire damage that our tongues can create because our speech can be renewed, our minds renewed by the word of God. Under the dominion of the Holy Spirit, we honor God. If you and I don't make the effort to control our tongues, something is wrong at the core. 
Something is wrong at the very heart of our supposed, and I say that intentionally, relationship with God if we make no attempt to bridle our tongue. Here's what James said, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man or woman's religion is vain. Don't let that be your story. You say, well, pastor, inevitably I slip up. We all do. This is an area of weakness. But if you seem to be religious and strive not to bridle your tongue, your religion is in vain. It strikes to the very core, the heart of our believed, our supposed relationship with the Lord. Fighting fire is something I think we need to visit again and again and again and again. These verses are all through Scripture, and it's there at markers along the way because we need to be reminded of it so often. We should change. This study should change us, practically speaking. We need to become more conscious, more aware of our words, and God can help us do just that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you now for the truth of your word. Help us to put off the old man and put away lying and let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths, but build one another up and administer grace. May we speak gracious words in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.